Blog Talk Radio. My name's Tom Marquis, Cell Presidente. Welcome aboard. This is The Balance, and I am on loan from God for the next two hours to walk you through this crazy world of sports. And I tell you what, we have a fun show, a fun pet show uh, for you today as the NFL draft is underway. We are two days in. We still have another day to go. The Indianapolis Colts did a little bit of shaking and baking, ended up with a stud. We'll talk about that. That's for sure. Uh, Beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and our official NFL contributor, Ed Kratz, joins us. Super fan of the Cleveland Browns joins us. Super fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers joins us. And you joins us. 917-889-8516 is our digits, but we're going to kick things off with our IndyCar talk. That's right, guys. Literally, the month of May is right here. We can taste it. We can feel it. And Matthew Embry from WSBT, our official IndyCar contributor, is going to break down his power rankings, some uh, shifting and moving around there as well as we get ready for the Indianapolis Grand Prix. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. You don't want to move today. I'm going to tell you why. Because we got us a fun show. It's about to get fun. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. 
3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? Welcome back to the balance. It's time to kick things off. Our uh, NFL analysis draft show is underway. But before we get to all of that, we got to start things off, of course, with IndyCar. And joining us now is Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor from WSBT. Matthew, how is you, sir? Well, we got interesting stuff going in. I mean, you talk about the possibilities with uh, looking ahead to May. I mean, certainly I think uh, we didn't get the clear picture on Wednesday. The rain had something to do with then. And I think you then also have teams that possibly sandbag just a little bit, didn't show their hand completely until we get to May. So uh, don't know, but uh, early on, I'd say uh, the level, the playing field in terms of engine uh, competition, I think is a little level uh, compared to last year when Chevrolet dominated. I mean, you had five Chevrolets and five Hondas at the top of the leaderboard uh, after Wednesday. And uh, I think right now you're looking ahead to uh, poll day. Uh, it's definitely, I think, the 230 uh, number is definitely in play once again uh, when we head uh, to that Sunday. And, of course, the ranking round determining who gets into the fast nine. Well, I'll tell you what, it is going to be exciting. And, and it's just exciting to be talking about 
IndyCar back in the month of May. Uh, coming up here this week is the unveiling of the of the uh, uh, Indy 500 graphic on the on the uh, day on the JW Marriott skyscraper downtown Indianapolis. Uh, people are talking about the the uh, mini. I mean, it is just a buzz here in town in Indianapolis. It's really really special. Let's uh, kind of do a recap of where we're at. Uh, of course, we've got a lot of new things happening this year as we go into the IndyCar season uh, that we'll see uh, on the track. We'll, we'll see some uh, new looks and feels of the car. We'll see a lot of different things. So talk with us about the changes from 2018 to 2019 that might, we might notice on the, um, the track this, this May in Indianapolis. Well, they've obviously done more aerodynamics to the new Delara Aero Kit to try to make the cars more drivable, especially in traffic. I mean, you saw last year's race when you got within uh, five car lengths of the car ahead of you. The car got loose, especially uh, during the long runs. That's why you saw the field stay pretty much stagnant uh, beyond the restart. So it'll be interesting to see if that change uh, comes into full effect. Of course, the cooler temperatures uh, today and what we had Wednesday probably won't be in play when we get to next month, even though they are predicting snow here in South Bend today, believe it or not. But, uh, yeah, I think right now at this point it's still uh, a who's who and unknowns, and especially uh, for those near the cut line, uh, the Jordan Kings, the Ben Hanleys, the Pato Awards, who could not test uh, Kyle Kaiser, James Davidson among them, and Pippa Mann. Uh, the question is, how much of a disadvantage are they going to be at uh, not having that extra tack, track time uh, that the other teams that were at this test uh, were able to enjoy? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the test in India. As, as you mentioned, we had some rain issues. Uh, what are the, the, the uh, deal makers and deal breakers, if you will, that came out of that? Or if anything at all, or was it just kind of more routine? Again, we, didn't, we don't have a lot of data because we had some rain issues. Uh, but uh, I know that uh, Sato uh, also uh, had some opinions. But what what are our thoughts uh, after looking at uh, this uh, test day in Indianapolis? Well, looking at my gridology list, I updated after the session concluded. Uh, the top nine has stayed stagnant. In fact, the top 11 I had have stayed stagnant with Power and Castro Davis at one and two, Dixon at three, Rossi at four. Newgarden at five, Bordet at six. Carpenter, even though he was fast, I still have him at seven at this point. Pagano at eight, and Rosaquist at nine. First mover, uh, Spencer Piggott. Uh, he had a decent day yet today, and I think he has shown, along with the other ECR cars, they will be legitimate, I, although I don't think they'll have an easy enough time to get three cars into the top nine as they did last year. And certainly Sato, I had him on row seven. Now I have him on the inside of row five, so he definitely uh, gained some ground. Colton Herta continues to gain uh, notoriety. He's now up to position number 16 on my list. Uh, and then guys that uh, have dropped uh, down the list. Uh, for instance, uh, things are looking a little murkier for guys like Jack Harvey, uh, J.R. Hildebrand, Marcus Erickson, Santino Ferrucci. And uh, you look to that line, I think the one thing, though, that I did see is you have a more competitive rail letterman Lanigan team potentially compared to the team that qualified 28th, 29th, and 30th in pre-qualifying last year. Uh, I think that bodes well for a guy like Jordan King, and that's why I put him in the field at number 32, and I moved Kyle Kaiser to that uh, list of outdrivers, including uh, Ben Hanley and Pippa Mann. 
We're talking with Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor. We're getting geared up for the month of May. The Grand Prix coming up just a couple weeks here in Indianapolis at 16th in Georgetown uh, at the famed Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Great uh, road course. And then they're going to turn around and, and, and put it uh, back into an, an oval uh, course, if you will. Let's kind of – I want to just start picking drivers out of your uh, – Gritatology, if you will, in no particular order, but at random, and just kind of want to get your thoughts on where you think they're at, where they're where they're going to, how they're going to perform in both the Grand Prix and the Indianapolis 500, and how they are going to perform in the 2019 season. Let's start with Alexander Rossi and his Napa car. What are your thoughts about him? I like him a lot. He's shown us over the last couple of years. Uh, certainly, uh, he's a former Indianapolis 500 champion. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts about Alexander Rossi? The saving grace for Rossi, I think, is the fact that there is not a requalifying period like there was in the last few years. So whatever you do on Saturday, that locks your position in, especially if you don't make the top nine. So I think for a guy like Rossi, who plummeted all the way down to 32nd in qualifying after qualifying 11th in the racking round, Last year, uh, this certainly, the format's going to help him. And I think based on what we saw uh, on Wednesday, he and his Andretti Autosport teammates, at least some of them, not all of them, I'd say, uh, excluding Zach Veach and Connor Daly, all have a legitimate chance to make that Firestone Fast 9. You know what? We, we, we're ignoring the, the elephant in the room, but certainly he's at the top of the power rankings as far as IndyCar uh, goes. And that's Joseph Newgarden. Joseph Newgarden's time has come. Joseph Newgarden has matured. Joseph Newgarden is a great all-American driver uh, from Tennessee. I, I tell you what, he's fun to talk to. He's 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 uh, He's been patient. He's come along. We remember him when he was young with with uh, Sarah Fisher uh, and Ed Carpenter, and then now he's with uh, Team Penske, and he's with Team Penske for a reason, because he's a champion. This year, Joseph Newgarden, what say you? The thing is, though, he hasn't proven himself at Indy yet, in my opinion. That's why I have him only at five on my list, and behind his teammates like Power and Castro Devis, who have proven themselves, and the other you know, former winners in Dixon and Rossi. Until Newgarden proves he can win this race, uh, I think he's still a step behind uh, his two uh, veteran teammates. And uh, if Pagano finds a way to figure out the body style, uh, I'd say I'd put him ahead of Newgarden as well. Uh, the rest of the circuit does not matter. What we keep saying, and it's true, the Indy 500 is a season within itself. I mean, you have new players in there that are not contesting the other events, and it's a totally different game at this track as a pair compared to all the other tracks on the circuit, not even Texas and Pocono uh, compared to this uh, venue as far as the notoriety and the tradition and what this race means. And I think given that little extra incentive, uh, some drivers take advantage of it, some don't. And one guy that hasn't taken advantage of it so far, at least in my opinion, is Joseph Newgarden. That's why I do not have him uh, near the top of my list, and I only have him at five right now. And Matthew, you would know better than I do, but for some reason, in the back of my mind, and, and it's, I'm thinking that I that he was on the podium at some point at some race here in Indianapolis. Am I wrong about that? He finished third in the 2016 race, but okay. uh, a poor pit stop late on the fuel. They had pro- he was not as aggressive down the pit lane and on his in lap as Abudio. So even if Alexander Rossi had run out of gas. Newgarden still would have won that race. It would have been Carlos Budios who would have won that race. That late 
uh, gaffe there by Newgarden uh, still hangs in my mind as to can this guy uh, get the job done if he's in position to win the race uh, down the road. Let's uh, just hang on him him for just a moment. He wins the Grand Prix or he wins the Indianapolis 500. Either one of those two are huge, huge wins. For anybody to win in Indianapolis is a huge win. But how does that elevate his status, uh, if you will, in the way that we look at him as a driver if he wins one or both of those races or even gets on the podium of one or both of those races? IndyCar Grand Prix, I still don't think it's at the level of the Indy 500. It's if you win the Indy 500, because that would put him right at the same level of a willpower. It would put him right at the same level of L.A. Cash Deficit. I'd say it would put him just behind a legend in Scott Dixon who has multiple championships. Now, granted, Joseph only has one title, but unlike uh, Dixon, who has come short on many opportunities, he has a chance to equal him as far as victories in Indianapolis. That puts him right on the same level as far as the Indy legends. So, and, of course, uh, look at all the drivers who have won the race with Petsky. He's another Petsky driver that's won the race. It shows not only that he's a good driver, but it shows that, uh, once again, Roger Petsky is the ultimate guy in determining talent and who are the best drivers of the drivers suited to win the Indy 500. It, it, you know, you, you gotta you got to love – uh, or hate, if you will, love or hate Tim, Tim Penske. I think a lot of people equate uh, Penske to the New England Patriots. They're a dynasty, and, and they've been able to manage to to, to take uh, drivers and turn them to, into some of the best drivers in the world, and we've seen that time and time and time again. And so for him to be at Team Penske, it, it, that does not happen by circumstance. That does not happen by accident. So we'll see what happens with Joseph Newgarden. But I tell you what, uh, the guy, a couple of people that I'm, I'm liking seeing on the rise, if you will, this year. And, and let's talk a little bit about Colton Hurry. We talked about him preseason. We talked about uh, a little bit about how that came together. But Colton Hurta, he's like, what, rookie? Me? Who? I, I, he's really showing me a lot of grit and heart and soul which a lot of times that's really all you need to be a very good driver. Go ahead. Remember at the start of the year when I had gritology, I had him all the way down at 30. He's now at 16. Right. So what does that say about what he has proven? And, again, that this is essentially an Andretti Autosport car. So the same kind of stuff that guys like Hunter Ray, uh, Marco, Rossi have, Colton's essentially got the same thing, and he's taken it to the max. Now, granted – I'd say the dysfunction at the start of the year with, you know, two car, one car, whatever it's going to be, that kind of hurt them in the start of the situation, but they have picked their piece together. They had a solid performance to win Austin. They made a little bit of a gap at Long Beach, but they were in contention there. If not for that, I'd say the IndyCar Grand Prix, they'll be in contention, and this depends on how they qualify. Uh, Colton Herta could be right up there. Like I said uh, a couple weeks ago, he certainly has an outside chance to possibly get the car in the top nine. Of course, I think the death of the field will prevent that, but I think it could be very close. And if Colton Herta gets there, unlike some other people in the stands, I will not be surprised if he gets in the top nine. You know, me either, absolutely. And I'm, I'm really proud of this kid. I want to see see what happens with him. He's, I'm, I'm becoming a, a fan of Colton Herta, that's for sure. Let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned Ryan Hunter-Ray. Certainly Ryan Hunter-Ray is on the rise himself. 
uh, no stranger to Indianapolis, and uh, we know him well here, and certainly he is he has he has performed well in Indianapolis, and uh, Indianapolis is certainly one of his favorite places to be. Uh, Ryan Hunter Ray uh, going into Indianapolis. The question with Hunter Ray is simple: Is the new Delara body kit going to allow for passion? Because unlike his teammates, oh, granted he has a pair of front row qualifications. He is not the strong qualifier that, uh, say, you know, a Rossi is or a Marco is at Indy. So I'd say right now, of the big names on that Andretti list, I don't like Hunter Ray's chances. Now, he'll qualify well, but I just don't think he will get to, you know, the top nine based on the depth of this field and the multiple teams that can get there. And uh, then, obviously, then the question is, well, is the car going to be able to – are you going to be able to pass this car? If you can, uh, Hunter Ray has shown the ability to come from the back of the pack to the front here many times before an Indy and certainly has to be considered a threat. But if it's like last year where it's tough to overtake, uh, he may have to qualify better than normal uh, to be a contender again. Talking with Matthew Ember, WSVT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar uh, contributor, uh, certainly uh, our uh, – Our Homer show here in Indianapolis, we are located here in the west suburbs of Indianapolis. Let's talk a little bit about the defending champion of the Indianapolis 500, and that's Will Power. I mean, we like to talk about that sophomore slump, but not really because he's not really a sophomore. And I I don't know. I mean, I don't know why a lot of times we get caught up on these expectations that defending champion. Well, maybe defending champion is, is, is what we're talking about. But at the same time, you, you would you would say defending this is what's mine. This is what I'm entitled to. So like like my house. I live in my house. I have my family. I have my dog. That's what I'm entitled to, and that's what I should defend. Titled to another championship at the Indianapolis 500, but we call him the defending champion because he was the prior winner of last year. But in my mind. Each year, each driver has to go out there and respect that track at 16th and Georgetown at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway to do well. So, Will Power, defending champion of the Indianapolis 500, how does he defend it? Does he keep it? I don't know. Well, one thing I do know based on what I saw Wednesday is it seems like there's a massive weight off his shoulders. He was able to put the car wherever he wanted, and it seemed to stick and it seemed like he had the more confidence to drive it in there as opposed to anyone else besides Sato during that open test, based on what I saw on the camera and then looking back at the you know replays on YouTube. I think just there's a weight and there's now a confidence there that was not there when he was a non-winner of this event. I think uh, that's made a big difference uh, looking ahead uh, to the month of May, and I think he will be certainly a contender and a very strong contender, possibly be our first back-to-back winner since Edel Castanevis uh, in 2001 and 2002. Uh, that's why I have him at the top of my gridatology list as the provisional pole sitter. Uh, I think he is the, by far the strongest qualifier, and like I said, he has transferred the domination as far as over a single lap or a run from the road and street circuits, and he has transferred it all the way over to the ovals now, to where he can be a contender for a pole, even though he has yet to win one for the Indy 500. I think this is the year he breaks through and gets the job done. Well, let's talk about Felix, Felix the Cat, because I can't pronounce his last name, but Felix Rosenbaum. Yeah. Uh, we, we haven't had a lot of conversations about him, so let's get to know him. 
had a decent debut at St. Pete. Has kind of fallen off the radar a little bit, but again, I think after the struggles of Ed Jones last year, you know that second car is going to get a little extra special attention from Chip Ganassi this time around, and I would be very surprised that they are not part of the top nine, even though he is a rookie. Scott Dixon, where are we at with him? If Honda has the power, I'd say Dixon is a threat to win the pole. He won the pole in 2015. He won the pole again in 2017. Uh, It just depends on is the Honda engine going to be strong enough to give him that chance to challenge for the pole. It wasn't last year. That's why he just barely made the top nine. If they find a little bit more from HPD, uh, he certainly is a threat to not only qualify for the front row, but also to get another pole position, certainly. Talk about a good friend in the show. Uh, someone has been on the show before who I've who I followed since the Indy Light series, and that is James Hinchcliffe, the mayor of Hinchtown. Not only is he a great driver, but he's a great personable person, and he really is. And we we followed his story. He has such a great story from coming up from the Indy Lights to almost losing his life at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway to not being able to race in last year's Indianapolis 500. James Hinchcliffe deserves this. James Hinchcliffe, if anybody that we can point to says, hey, you deserve it, buddy, it's James Hinchcliffe. What are our thoughts going into May, James Hinchcliffe? Well, one thing, I don't think he's going to DNQ this year. If you're talking about guys that are in trouble, though, with Aero Schmidt, Meyer Shank, uh, you got guys like uh, Marcus Erickson, who looked a little bit uh, out of it on Wednesday. I'd say you say the same thing about Jack Harvey. Uh, those two guys have a fight on their shoulders, and that's part of the reason why I think that uh, Meyer Shake did not provide a second car for, say, uh, Catherine Lake. They're just worried about getting Jack Harvey into the field and not trying to do a two-front war to where they not only fail to qualify one, but fail to qualify two. So uh, Erickson looks a little bit suspect. Uh, Harvey looks a little bit suspect, but I'd say if you're talking about uh, Hinchcliffe or Servia, who just got that ride in the extra Schmidt-Pearson aero car, uh, I have a feeling uh, those two guys will be safe. Uh, the other two, though, Erickson and Harvey, uh, I have some question marks. I have currently Erickson as the fourth to last in the field and uh, Harvey as inside row 11. That all, that's all you need to know. They're certainly uh, cutting it close. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We only got just a little bit more time here because I know you got a hard stop at 9:30. We got to get into our NFL talk. We got lots of time to talk about uh, IndyCar in the month of May, but let's talk about our uh, our our favorite Frenchman, and that's Simon Patterson. What are your thoughts? Should make the top nine because he's got the Penske car. Um, the thing is, though, as he figured out this body kit, he still seemed a little bit lost with it during the open test. So. Uh, if there is a guy least likely from Petsky to win the race, uh, unfortunately I'd say the Frenchman is probably the least likely of the four to uh, be a threat to win the Indy 500. Matthew Embry, WSBT, up in South Bend. Matthew, real quickly, give us a recap of your gritology and uh, any uh, more news stories that you want to uh, bring to our attention in our closing moments of today's segment. Well, I know my colleague David Land really thought Alonzo with the poor performance and the mechanical issues was in trouble, but I still think I have him solely in the field at 17. Uh, Same for Charlie Kimball at 20. Chilton had the engine failure. I still have him solidly in at 22. Award at 24, even though he didn't practice. Uh, Right now, uh, I don't think the questions right now, I think there's a little more breathing room for Connor Daly. I moved him up from 32 all the way up to 28. 
But uh, if again, if your name is say James Davison, Zach Beach, Sage Karam, uh, Connor Daly, Ferrucci, Erickson, Harvey, Jordan King, J.R. Hildebrand, Kaiser, Hanley, and uh, man, uh, you're certainly I think going to be sweating it out uh, on qualifying weekend, not to uh, necessarily make to make the top nine, but just to make the field. And uh, looking ahead to uh, the next couple weeks, uh, the big question in my mind is. Uh, you know, uh, what about this uh, situation? It looks like we had the third engine manufacturer. The best indication right now is it's Porsche. Supposedly they're in the negotiation stages with Mark Viles. Nothing's been signed yet, but uh, if you're looking for a favor for that third manufacturer for 2021, uh, Porsche, Porsche, whatever you want to call it, uh, seems to be the favorite at this moment. All right, well, we got a bamboozle to get on into some NFL talk. Standing by the balance green room is uh, Cleveland Browns super fan uh, Adam Jividen. We're going to be talking about uh, the the big uh, quarterback uh, shake and bake with the Colts, actually, uh, going uh, Haskins going to the, the Redskins. I know you do a lot of uh, college football and college basketball talk with us. Uh, overall, uh, high-level thoughts on this year's draft. Without a doubt, the Patriots had the best draft going right now, and that's uh, tough to say when they just dominated the NFL. But considering the players they have taken in the last couple rounds uh, yesterday, uh, it just seems like, once again, they are a step ahead of the rest of the pack in terms of the picks. So taking the running back from Alabama was a great pick. Uh, the great pick at the end of round one with the Keel Hari just reminds me of a wide receiver, but in the mold of uh, Ron Gronkowski. Uh, they have made great picks, and... Uh, I would say if a guy like Ryan Finley uh, drops to their pick in the fourth round, uh, they're looking for an heir apparent to Tom Brady. They certainly could find one uh, no worse than Ryan Finley, uh, the quarterback of North Carolina State. So if he happens to become a Patriot, I'd say the best draft by far, even though it's odd to say it for the team that picks last in each of the rounds, uh, the Patriots I think are having the best draft so far in this year's draft. Matthew Embry, we appreciate you. We look forward to talking with you some more as we get moving into the month of May of IndyCar. Where can people find your work in Masterpieces? Again, Twitter, M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-R-Y, and uh, a lot to look forward to as we get closer and closer to the month of May. And uh, we will talk to you next week when we get even closer. Even closer, sir. All right, sir, you have yourself a good weekend. Good stuff. Anytime, Tom. Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, also does some college uh, football talk. We're standing by in the green room as Adam Jevedin, super uh, Cleveland Browns fan. We're going to be talking about uh, his quarterback going to the um, Washington Redskins and uh, some shaking and baking going on there. And we're going to get the thoughts and we're going to get into the analysis of the 2019 draft. Yeah, we'd like to overthink things. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. 
so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. All right, welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marcel, Presidente. Half hour in the books. Thank you to Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, breaking down IndyCar as we get ready for the month of May. But I tell you what, uh, springtime and, 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 and getting ready for the Indianapolis 500 is not the most exciting thing going on in sports right now. The most exciting thing going on in sports right now is the 2019 NFL Draft. And for the rest, for the next 90 minutes, throughout the rest of the show, uh, we will have uh, guests on. We will have Ed, Ed Kratz is going to be joining us in about 30 minutes, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and we're going to break down and analyze and overthink this uh, 2019 draft through day two and going into day three. But a guy that got to enjoy day one was super fan, uh, a Cleveland Browns fan, uh, uh, Adam Jividen. Adam, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Tom. How are you, man? Fantastic. All right, let's talk about it. Let's jump into it. Obviously, there was some wheeling and dealing with the Indianapolis Colts, uh, but at the end of the day, the Washington Redskins end up with Dwayne Haskins, quarterback from Ohio State. I don't know. I don't know how to quite read it because, like I just said, we like to overthink things. But when the camera went to him, he was just like, had that look like, am I am, am I mad that I just got drafted by the Washington Redskins, or am I mad that everybody else passed up uh, passed me up? He kind of got had a snarky look on his face, like. This is it? It's like Christmas Day. You get all excited, open up your presents, and all you get is underwear? This is it? What are your thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) I think he was pissed off. Um, I think, you know, here you have the Giants, who were the team that he grew up for, that were in position to draft him. And they, as many predicted, stupidly, because Dave Gettleman can't help himself, drafted Daniel Jones, a quarterback that had in three seasons 56 touchdowns, 29 interceptions, and like a 61% completion percentage. And Dwayne Haskins threw 
50 touchdowns in one fucking year. And I think that's what he's saying. Is he's like, what do I have to do? And now he gets to not only go to the Redskins, but a divisional rival of the Giants who passed up on him, and he's ready to roll. Uh, you know, I think he's going to come in. He's going to have a fire. He's going to have that chip on his shoulder that, that is always great for young quarterbacks to have. And, and I think it, it, you give him some time, he'll learn some aspects of being a pro from, from Case Keenum. Uh, but I think uh, young Simba is ready to, ready to roar. Young Simba. That is his nickname. I had totally forgotten about that, Ian. <laughs> That's funny. I just want to hold him up, right? <laughs> that is great. I totally forgot about that being his nickname. Uh, so, but, 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 you know, you mentioned Jones and the Giants. You know, I, I think we saw a million memes go out when they drafted him and one of the, the, the best, the little girl reaching up for the balloon and can't get the balloon. I mean, it's a reach. It's a stretch. But they apparently think that he's the heir apparent to Eli Manning. So why do you think that they went with Jones and not Haskins? And let's, let's, we, we always have to realize that teams don't draft. Oh, well, they grew up around here and they're a fan of us, so we have to draft. They make, they make strategic decisions that's best for them t- their team. Why do you think the Giants went with Jones over Haskins? Better yet, I don't know that we can honestly point him. We don't know yet. We could be proven wrong. But I don't know that we could point to him as being the heir apparent to Eli Manning. Yeah, you know, I think they took him for a few reasons. One, they love the David Cutcliffe connection. Um, Apparently, Daniel Jones, through the Cutcliffe connection, has gotten fairly close to the Manning family. And I guess that's, you know, I feel like the Giants are putting too much stock into Eli Manning, like at this point in his career. Like, they, they said Eli likes the fact that Daniel's succeeding him. Who freaking cares? Like, if I'm a fan, this dude better come out and be an absolute rock star. And I just don't see it. He doesn't have a big arm. He routinely struggled with uh, accuracy. If he would come out and lit up the senior bowl, being in a college like Duke, then I'd be like, okay, we can make this happen because he maybe wasn't surrounded with the right talent. But he was routinely the worst quarterback at the Senior Bowl, which was dominated by Drew Locke that the Broncos got mid, uh, you know, early, mid-second round. So, like, Daniel Jones, even if he was the guy, they could have got him with 17, not six. Probably could have traded off of 17. I just – I think this is one of those things where – Similar to when Tim Tebow got drafted by the Broncos, nobody was taking him, but you had some rumors going around. They're like, this is our guy, and we're taking him. And like I said, he better come out and be a superstar. But it, this reminds me of the E.J. Manuel drafting by the Bills uh, and, and <laughs> so many of these overdrafts for quarterbacks where, like, in three Touché. years, the dude's working for CBS. Like, that's what's going to happen. Christian get the Tony Romo. That's another get the Tony Romo contract. Get the Tony Romo money. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the draft itself. I, I, you know what? 
as much as we like to criticize the NFL and Roger Cradell, it's kind of like it's, it's very easy to do. It's like picking on the fat kid. I mean, it's real easy to do. And, but the thing about it, and nothing against that, that came out wrong, nothing against fat kids. I'm not picking on fat kids. I'm just saying. Easy target. The NFL is an easy target. Uh, what, I, what I'm trying to say is, but I think they finally did something right. And that was to, after all of those years, the NFL draft being at Radio City Music Hall to put it on the road. They did great at Philadelphia. Uh, they did great in Chicago. And I, I mean, just looking at the crowd and, and uh, Nashville's a great city. Uh, Nashville has a great fan base. And the way they've incorporated a lot of different ways they've given, allowed people to make picks and uh, announce picks, I'm sorry. Um, they have really incorporated the fan base into the draft. And it seemed like at, at Radio City Music Hall, they were uh, kind of like, uh, yeah, let's hear uh, I, somebody. You're not going to be anybody here at the draft. And uh, here we are in this closed-up building. And I, I, I'm really excited that they've decided to take it to various different cities, NFL cities. What are your thoughts? But here's the other thing. I mean, it's like – Come on, guys. Let's finally get to it. It's like, it's like, how long do you think? I mean, one of two things I think happened at the very beginning that maybe shouldn't have happened. I think that the NFL told the Arizona Cardinals, okay, we know you're going with Kyler Murray. Everybody knows you're going with Kyler Murray. Let the clock click down seven minutes or whatever so we can build the drama. Or we can look at it another way. They were just maybe last chance. Uh, you know how the auctioneer goes – Going once, going twice, come on, any cakers. Maybe they were hoping for something that would cause them to change their mind against Kyler Murray, but, I mean, did Kyler Murray make the right decision about going into the NFL? Home run, no pun intended. Yeah, you know, I, I think, I mean, Murray was, I, I don't know, Murray's either going to be a superstar or he's out of the league in three years. Like, there's no in-between with this guy because of his – because of his size, but because of, of the game that he plays. You know, I, I think I, – I love What's the roadshow. I want the freaking draft in Indy bad. Like, could you imagine the draft right on the circle? That would be awesome. Wouldn't but, it? Wouldn't I mean, the, the, the draft being the roadshow style is, is fantastic because if you remember when it was at Radio City, down like on the floor is where all the teams had all their stuff and you didn't have fans – until basically almost up in the balcony. Now, with the way it's laid out now, I mean, fans are almost like right up on the stage, and they are, it's a sea of them, and it's awesome. I, I, I just feel like the roadshow idea is, is fantastic. My concern is that the NFL is going to move the draft to L.A. when the, 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 yeah. the Crockies build this new facility, and it's going to be like, because they're talking about moving NFL headquarters out there and all sorts of stuff, there's talk that they may just move the draft there permanently, and I think that'd be a mistake. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. They need to move it around from city to city like they do the, the Super Bowl and what have you. You know, we talk about Kyler Murray and his size. Let's not forget about another guy that's very, very similar in size. In fact, the only, the only other guy who's ever been drafted of his size is, oh, he's got the largest contract history, NFL history, and he announced it on Instagram with his smoking hot wife, in bed. Now, I'm just saying that's hanging on the rim a little bit, I know, but let's not uh, I, discount the size, if you will. The, well, but the thing, the size isn't necessarily just his height, though. 
Russell Wilson outweighs Kyler Murray by like 45 pounds. Russell Wilson, and that's the difference. You know, Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield, who is also a smaller quarterback, are, are short, but they're thick. They're stout. Kyler Murray looks like an outfielder. He looks like a center fielder, which is what he played. Now, can does Kyler Murray have the frame to put more muscle on? Maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. So it's not necessarily for me, it's not a height thing. Because Drew Brees has proven that you can be smart with your angles and smart with the way that you maneuver around offensive linemen to overcome height. But if you're 185 pounds and you get drilled by, I don't know, let's just say Landon Collins or Aaron Donald, what happens when all of 300 pounds of Aaron Donald comes up the middle and squashes Kyler Murray? Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, weight's a Welcome big to deal. The NFL, and so, right, and so from that perspective, that's my concern with Murray. Is my concern is at his height, is he going to get his bell rung just repeatedly? I don't know. Now, does he have the quickness to evade it? Sure, but I mean. What happens when they face a team like the Rams or the Browns that have four legitimate Pro Bowl caliber defensive linemen? Like, you came from the Big 12, and the Big 12 doesn't even try to play defense. Doesn't even attempt. (laughs) And so that's what you came from to now you are in a place where you don't have a good offensive line in a, an extremely difficult defensive division. I mean, in their division, they not only have the Rams, they have the 49ers who, just, who now have DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas, and number two overall pick from The Ohio State University, Joey friggin' Bose, or excuse me. The Ohio Bose, State who University. Is, who is just as good as his brother. <laughs> I mean, like, you've got stacked defensive lines in your division. And your offensive line sucks. So, good luck. Well, here's the thing about Kyler Murray. You're right. He's either going to he's either going to go out in a ball of fl- flames or he's going to be a superstar and it's going to be one or the other and there is no in-betweens. You got to be concerned about a guy that that uh, is a first-round draft pick that is wearing a hot pink uh, suit, but hey, he'll fit in just fine in October. Now, now I know the story and I I heard his interview that said, "Hey, I was a big fan of the great Gatsby and you know those who have seen that movie it's a great movie it's a it's a great uh, piece of literature it's a great piece of history but like Scarface I mean we like we we like Scarface but the ending wasn't so good so and the ending was kind of tragic with uh, the great Gatsby as well as well as like Scarface so that's <laughs> also, I, I don't know if liking yourself to the great Gatsby is a is an indication of how great of a quarterback you are but hey yeah uh, I'll give it up to him. I would not be the guy wearing a hot pink suit. At first, I thought it was kind of reddish, and, and, and it was like in the, in the interview before that, it was like, is he trying to tell us something code because of the red? I was looking at the red in the Arizona Cardinals, not really the hot pink, but the more he talked about it, I could see the pink more than the red. But anyway, th- those are the little things. Those are the little things, no pun intended, as we talk about as we talk about his size. But let's go back to your your guy, uh, Dwayne Haskins, uh, quarterback for the Ohio State, no longer, that was Washington Redskins. I really do think, Adam, that this is the best quarterback in the in this draft. And 
it's a great it's a great pick for the Redskins. Uh, getting a cheap quarterback uh, to come in and, and push, get a fresh start. I think it, I I love this pick by the Redskins. Like Kyler Murray, he's a one year wonder, uh, but there's a lot of potential. So I I certainly give the Redskins an A for picking up uh, Haskins, even if Haskins isn't happy to be a Redskin. But he needs to get on board with it because uh, I think that if he comes in and does a great job. He has potential to be a franchise quarterback. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you don't throw what he threw at Ohio State and break every record set in the Big Ten. Not just Ohio State record. Every Big Ten single-season passing record. He broke them all. All of them that Drew Brees held, they're all gone. I mean, it, it was fascinating what he did in one year. One year as a starting quarterback. Um could Haskins absolutely be a franchise quarterback? You bet. Uh, it helps that um, they also went then in the third round and drafted Indianapolis native uh, and one of his best friends, Terry McLaurin, one of the uh, Ohio State captains um, at the receiving position to be able to help out uh, the, 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 the kind of the, the growth process for uh, young Dwayne. Um, the, the word is, is they're actually they were actually joking around on uh, on social media that they're they're just going to get an apartment and live together, which is honestly kind of a genius idea in helping keep your uh, your quarter your young quarterback um, focused on football because Terry McLaurin is one of those guys that just he loves football. Uh, the light took a little bit to go on for him uh, there in Columbus, but his senior year he was awesome, and Terry was one of those guys that. He's he's a great blocker. Uh, he's a, I mean, if it's thrown in his direction pretty consistently, he catches it. Um, he's a special teams demon. He is legitimately the best special teams gunner I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I've actually coached special teams gunners before. So, like, he is unbelievable. And, and getting him around good people like that will be – and, frankly, I'd rather him go to a team um, – like Washington that has a guy like Case Keenum that can really like teach him to, to be a professional and somebody like that, recognizing that his job is to groom Haskins. Cause Keenum's not going to think that he's still a franchise quarterback versus like a place like Denver where Joe Flacco is going to look at him as competition. And Joe Flacco wasn't like a good teammate last year to Lamar Jackson. That was very public. Like he was Flacco was pissed off that Lamar Jackson was there. And if he went and if Haskins went to, to Denver, I think we'd see the same thing all over again. These quarterbacks don't recognize, hey, dude, you're 36 years old, bro. Like, you can't play for forever. <laughs> Time to turn the, pass the baton. But they all think you're they absolutely... can because Brady's doing it. No, you're absolutely right. And, and Brady's uh, is, is a – love or hate him, he's a – He's a phenomenal beast. Uh, uh, but let's uh, play the homer card here while we still got you for a couple more uh, minutes here. We'll start with the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, you're a super fan, Cleveland Browns. Uh, really excited about what's going to happen in the 2019 season for the Browns. But last year, the Browns were the story. The Browns were the story of the draft. This year, seems like feels like we're not really talking about the Browns, which is I'm sure the Brown fans are okay with. Uh, we just kind of want to snuggle underneath the blanket and and uh, uh, be all uh, snuggly with our with our uh, quarterback and our new coach and just like it's going to be good for the Cleveland Browns 
and they got a, a guy by the name of Broccoli Shabon. Bro- no, <laughs> so, so they're they're okay, and the Browns are okay, and that's that's good. But we're not talking a lot about the Browns. But look at the Browns uh, two days into the draft, going into day three. Uh, we've not talked a lot at all, especially here on the national scale, like our show. I know that that uh, there's been some local talk, just like any uh, fan base and fan city on the local talk, but on the national scale. We aren't talking about the Cleveland Browns, so let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. Sure. You know, the way the Browns fans look at it, we didn't have a first-round pick because our first-round pick was Odell Beckham Jr. So I'm going to – Tuesday. Then with the 17th you know pick, what? Hey, they out, go time out. out Adam. Adam, time out. I am sure. so sorry. I had such the biggest brain fart. It is Saturday morning, and it may or may not have had too much bourbon last night. I said Shaquan Barkley, but I meant Odell Beckman Jr. So those that want to read into what I said, <laughs> I misspoke. Go ahead. So they got Odell, and then with the 17th pick, or what they moved up with the Colts, as uh, as Colts fans are aware, and got Greedy Williams, who a lot of draft experts had Greedy Williams as like the 10th or 12th best prospect on the board total. And the only thing you could hear is, well, why did Greedy fall? They're like, well, he doesn't like to tackle. He's a corner, dude. What's your point? <laughs> like, if a corner's doing his job, he shouldn't have to tackle a lot. I, you know who else didn't tackle? Deion Sanders. You know who else didn't really tackle? Daryl Green. You know who, like, go down the list of great cover corners. Did any of them like to tackle? Not really. Darrell Reeves kind of tackled. But, like, he would do, like, the old, like, if you're a little guy, you, like, jump on the big dude's back and be like, dear God, I hope a larger man helps me out here. Like, that's what, <laughs> that's what, that's what, that's what small corners do. But Greedy is, he's got good size. And here's what I can tell you. Steve Wilkes, defensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns, is going to say, Greedy, look, this is how you get your head in there. And now you've got Denzel Ward on one side and Greedy Williams on the other side. Good luck. Because you're going to also have to hold up against the pass rush of Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, Larry Ogunjobi, and Sheldon Richardson. Have fun, guys. Like, I'm, I'm totally fine with what they did. And then, and then on top of that, I got super hyped because, you know, the Colts, who I've – I am a huge Browns fan, and, and Tom knows this. I love the Colts, too. My mom was born and raised in Anderson. I used to go watch Colts training camp when I was a kid. And the Colts were my team when the Browns went to Baltimore. So I love the Browns and the Colts. And then the Colts go and snag Paris Campbell, who is unbelievable. The dude runs a 4-3-5-40. He completely torched the entire Michigan defense on a simple pop pass. Like, they didn't lay a finger on him because he's that quick and that fast. He's not super agile and doesn't get in and out of, like, he's not shifty, but he makes one move, and he gets up to top speed in, like, a step. I, I will tell you, Colts fans, you will love this dude opposite T.Y. He is unbelievable, and he's also really young, even though he was a fifth-year senior because he came into Ohio State as a 16-year-old because he's incredibly intelligent and a team and captain. Me, like, he's all you would me. want for I think maybe I texted you, maybe I didn't. I know I texted a few people uh, last night. But uh, uh, Paris is is Ty's right hand, and they finally got that. And, oh, yeah. and the other good piece you were talking about, good corners. Um, hello, Rock Yassin, one of the best cornerbacks in, in college football, 
comes out of Temple to the Indianapolis Colts and how he missed the first round. Why? Because he's a, he's a corner. Who wants to draft a corner in the first round? Ballard, until he proves me wrong, has is checking off the boxes. Ballard and Reich and Ursay are finally everybody's clicking on all cylinders. And, and me personally, as a Colts fan, I'm very, very excited to see what we were able to do. We traded out of the first round. We didn't need to get into the first round. You know, last year we, we kind of knew what we had to do. And and we 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 uh, knew who we had to get and how we had. But even last year, I mean, let's let's make no bones about it. The Indianapolis Colts uh, uh, with Quentin Nelson made a pretty good pick last year. So they are building on it. It's like you know they're just another piece of the puzzle is coming together. Another piece of the puzzle together. And are we going to win the Super Bowl this year? No, but we sure as hell can win the the division. So what are your thoughts uh, about Rocky San? Great quarterback at quarterback cornerback out of Temple again with Paris. Man, Ballard's earning his money. Yeah, you know Rocky Sin is really he's he is a big physical corner. Like I know I know that is what uh, that's what Ballard looks for. That's what um, um, we're really we, we see that we saw that last year. Pierre Desir, big physical corner. Um, kind of came into his own. I hope Desir builds off of last year and that he's not a one-hit wonder. Uh, Pierre Desir was actually drafted by the Browns originally, and they just he, – he, the, the light wasn't coming on, and they had to let him go, and what was the Browns' loss was the Colts' game. So, I mean, I think Rocky Sin is, is really solid. My – the only concern that I have with him um, – is, is 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 less about him and it's more about our the, the Colts pass rush. I hope that the pass rush for the Colts is able to consistently build what was last year uh, because it, it's always it's always a gamble when you have great years out of guys that have been kind of journeyman players and so you go okay was this a was this a one year flash in the pan or is this something that that, that the lights coming on late for the guy like with Marcus Hunt for example like I don't. Nobody legitimately knows what we're going to get from Hunt this year. Like, could we could we see a repeat of last year? Yeah. Could he also be what he'd been the rest of his career? Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know. I do know though that Ballard is is smart in the signings that he makes, and in the uh, and in the draft picks that he does. There are about four GMs that make moves in the NFL, and I just don't question anymore. One of those is the obvious. Bill Belichick, because I just wish he'd friggin' retire already so somebody else could, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't, at this point, I really don't question Howie Roseman much for the Eagles because he is also doing, I mean, unbelievable things. Uh, I don't really question Ballard. And then I also don't question the guy that trained Ballard, John Dorsey of the Cleveland Browns at this point, mm-hmm. because you not only built up the Browns, He's also the one that built the Chiefs. And Andy Reid, in about two years of running – or a year and a half of running the show, they're, they're having major issues because, frankly, I hope Tyreek Hill gets thrown in jail. If you haven't heard the audio that's been released oh, on have. him, that I dude's have. a thug, and he needs to be in prison. Like, period. So, so joining us now, uh, a guy you know well uh, as well, a Super Steelers fan, uh, Kyle Courtney, joining to myself, and Super Browns fan, Adam Jividan. We're standing by for Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Adam, I know you got you for just a little bit longer. 
but let's talk a little bit about this hill uh, thing. And, and we'll start with you, uh, Kyle. I know we brought you on to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, but uh, the, this Tyree Hill thing with Kansas City, they've got to just let him go. What are your thoughts there, uh, yeah. Kyle? Welcome to the balance, sir. Yeah. Again. <laughs> hey, man. Good to good to talk to you guys, Adam. Hope all is well, man. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's a there's a way that Kansas City can really get out of this without releasing them. It's very similar to the. I mean, it's very similar to what they dealt with, obviously, with the Kareem Hunt situation. Uh, Tyreek Hill had issues, obviously, with domestic violence coming into the league to begin with. Um, and this is just, you know, it, it takes kind of takes the cake. Uh, you're dealing with some sort of uh, Adrian Peterson level stuff here. So I don't think that there's a way that they can do anything but release him and then and and just kind of see what happens from there. But uh, yeah, I, I, there, there's there's not a good way to go about it. And it's really interesting to me because this puts Kansas City in a little bit of a hole from playmakers uh, with losing. Hunt and Hill for two very egregious offenses, essentially. So we'll see what happens next year. Obviously, they still have pretty decent a group of playmakers around them, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what type of production they can get next year. Well, I think the the contrast between Hunt and and Hill are two completely different worlds. One situation was a bad situation, but it was with someone never met before, and it was a drunk argument. And he's he and he has kind of mended his ways. The other one, you uh, you compared it to Adrian Peterson. I don't even think there's any comparison to that with what we've seen in, on on the audio. Joining us now, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, and uh, official NFL contributor to the Balance. And you can find his work at FootballMaven.com. Philadelphia Eagles. Ed Kratz, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing good. Little uh, busy weekend, baby. Going back down. Busy to the weekend. We we have a, yeah, yeah. we have Super Steelers fan Kyle Courtney on with us. We have Super Browns fan Adam Jividen on. And Adam, I know you have kind of a, got a hard stop here, so we'll let you go ahead and give the final thoughts on Haskins to the Redskins, uh, on the Browns. Any final thoughts that you have? Uh, because I know you said that you ha- you've got a bamboozle, you got stuff going on. I appreciate you jumping on a little bit earlier uh, with us, Adam. But what are your thoughts? I, I, I think uh, I, I, love, I love the position that Haskins landed in. Like I said, for, for me, pretty much I look for two things. I look for where do my Browns go, or who do my Browns get, who do the Colts get, where do my Buckeyes go. And every single group – Ended up in a great position, and so I'm, I'm pretty pumped. Uh, this has been a, been a really really good weekend. Um, you know, if if only uh, if only Bill Belichick would make like a really bad pick at some point, then at least I'd be a little bit happier about it. But uh, <laughs> no, I think I, I I I love the draft. I like making fun of Dave Gettleman because I think he's one of the worst GMs in the history of the league. So you know, he's giving me more fuel for the fire. So yeah, it's good. All right, buddy. You have yourself a good weekend, and we'll talk with you soon. Adam Jividen, super uh, Browns fan, uh, joins us. Thanks, Adam. Have yourself a good day. Bye. See you, guys. (laughs) Always like talking with Adam. Cal, you know Adam. He's just full of energy, and uh, we we like that. So, you know, you were talking about Bill Belichick. I I saw a meme that came out, and the the New England Patriots uh, selecting their first round overall, and it was a an Asian lady giving a massage. <laughs> so I don't know if that was too soon or not, but I thought that was hilarious. 
Let's, uh, we'll, we'll start with you, Kyle, super fan. And, and uh, I, I know you, you come on board just to kind of give us the analysis from a fan's point of view. Uh, Ed uh, is uh, a, 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 an official beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he helps us with the media side of things and the analysis of, of all the games. But let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, we talked a little bit offline uh, on draft night about some shaking and baking, and it, it appears you're not the only one. People like themselves with a Devin Bush uh, and the, 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 the trade that happened to make that happen. What are your thoughts about the Pittsburgh Steelers round one 2019 draft? Well, I mean, when, when looking at sort of the historical perspective here, um, the Steelers have really traded up twice in uh, prior to this weekend in the last 20 years. One was select uh, was to select Antonio Holmes, one was to select uh, Troy Polamalu, and obviously they they used uh, some of the picks that they had from Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown uh, to uh, solidify Devin Bush, which was a big hole in the middle of their defense uh, after Shazier's unfortunate uh, accident. So... I think that this is the most excited that the uh, that the fan base has been in a while when it comes to a first-round pick. Uh, obviously, a lot of times the Steelers have been picking in the last 15 to 30, so you don't always have that really exciting uh, playmaking uh, guy that you think can come in and make an immediate impact. And Bush seems to be able to have a lot of the athletic skill sets. He was the captain of, of a very, very good Michigan defense and kind of was the quarterback on that side of the, the football he, he is able to kind of run through traffic. He's incredibly athletic. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. He's not afraid of contact. Um, and, and so I don't think a lot of people really thought we even had a shot at him. Everybody was just kind of waiting for, okay, fine, we're going to sit at 20. We're going to get Greedy Williams or Byron Murphy or one of those other kind of corners. Uh, a lot of people felt that Cleveland Farrell would fall that far. Uh, obviously, the Raiders liked him a lot more than a lot of people thought. But – um, it, it was it was the as excited as people were about the picks uh, for Ken uh, is is feels like it's as unexcited as they've been for what what the Steelers did yesterday um, picking up the kid uh, Johnson out of uh, out of Toledo and uh, the cornerback out of Michigan State and both of those guys people felt were a little bit of a reach but uh, I, I think that that. For the most part, I, I really don't discount the Steelers' ability to select uh, wide receivers, especially because I guess uh, the uh, wide receivers coach said that Bruce Arians called him up immediately after they picked him and cussed him out because he, he wanted him really, really bad in the third round. So, uh, And the Bucks ended up trading back after that as a result. So I think that they've got a lot of talent. Um, I, still don't, I, I still don't trust the, the uh, Steelers selecting any type of cornerbacks because they haven't been able to really do that since – uh, well, Bryant McFadden and Ike Taylor in the early 2000s. So they've had a real issue of trying to of, of selecting uh, corners. But the rest of the week or the rest of the time through, they've really hit on their biggest needs moving forward. Uh, and so you're looking at tight ends, you're looking at running backs, you're looking at some uh, edge depth. Uh, and just kind of filling in a few holes the rest of the roster, but they're in really good position uh, now, and they have they have six more picks throughout the rest of the, the weekend. So I'm really excited to see what they do. 
Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor. You listen to Super uh, Steelers fan Kyle Courtney uh, talking with us a little bit about the chicken and bake about getting Bush. Uh, talk with us a little bit about the Steelers in the post uh, Brown uh, and uh, post Bell, or should we call it the post Diva era? Uh, the Steelers uh, have a way of every other year or every third year being there. As you listen to Kyle, he, he, he's just giving the fans perspective, but uh, for you live it. You're in the, the locker room every day. You're at, you're you even though you're with the Eagles, you understand the NFL at a higher level than most of us do. What are your thoughts about the Pittsburgh Steelers and do they have their guy with Bush? Uh, you know, I think one thing uh, you know you have to keep in mind. I think the Steelers do a good job of this. Cause, you know, you, you draft these players and they're college college players, and uh, now it becomes the responsibility of the coaching staffs to make them professional players and uh, develop those players. So, you know, you may not, you know, you may be a little curious of the Steelers second round picks, uh, Lane and uh, a kid from Toledo Johnson, but uh, you know, the Steelers do that pretty well. They are able to develop players. They have a good, typically have a good coaching staff that is able to teach these players how to become pros, how to fit into their system. Uh, So, you know, I, on the surface, it looks like, hey, maybe it was a reach in the second round. But, you know, I wouldn't discount what the Steelers were able to do with players. I know they've struggled to do that with cornerbacks. Um, but now it becomes the charge of the assistant coaches to turn these guys into pros. And, uh, you know, Bush looks like, uh, you know, one of those guys that's a plug-in, ready-to-go guy, and the Steelers need to hope that he is because that is a real hole, like Kyle said. Uh, I love the pick. I, you know, I think, you know, he – the key to him is he's able to get from sideline to sideline so fast, and he's a pretty good cover guy. So uh, he'll fit really well, I think, into that Steelers scheme. So I like it. They had to move up to get him. But, you know, again, I have no problem with that. I like being aggressive on draft day. I know the Steelers don't do it that often here in Philadelphia. Uh, Howie Roseman does it all the time. You know, he moved up in the first round uh, to get that offensive tackle, Andre Dillard, and that was his 27th draft weekend trade in the last nine years. I mean, that guy's all over the board. So I have no, no problem at all with them being aggressive as long as they uh, felt like they made the right pick. And, and again, on the surface, it looks like it, but it comes down to the assistants now to uh, kind of mold these guys into becoming professional players. Well, I heard Clay Travis say this week, I know we reference him a lot, and Kyle, you guys know that I'm a big Clay Travis fan, but it, 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 it is true. The number 10 slot is a very covenant slot. Maybe not as much as the number one slot, but the number 10 slot is a very coveted slot. And, and you see a lot of action around there. And it's not talked about except on draft day. Uh, but the number 10 slot is, is, is that. And they get the, their, their linebacker out of Michigan. Uh, this is a uh, player going to replace uh, Ryan Chaser. Kyle, real quickly before we go on to the Eagles here, uh, Mike Tomlin has to get control of that locker room. I mean, last year was a total soap opera, total disaster. So many things going on and didn't make the playoffs. Mike Tomlin has got to crack the whip and just say, Hey, we're not going to, we're, we're, we're going to knock some heads together. We got to get control of our locker room and let's stop acting like children on recess. If you're Mike Tomlin, if you're the coaching staff, if you're the leadership there with the Pittsburgh Steelers, knowing what you're going into, knowing that you didn't make the playoffs, knowing that you had uh, a, a, just a total off the field diva, Drama in 2018, 2019 has to be a point of focus. You have to put the F back in focus. How does that happen, Kyle? Well, I mean, honestly, I think, and the Steelers have always been 
they haven't they haven't always been in rebuilding mode. They've always had a lot of veteran presence within the locker room. So in, instead of being kind of the what you would consider the big disciplinarian that you have somebody with like like Bill, Bill Belichick, he's really going to lean on the the captains of the team, the Cam Haywards, the uh, the Ben Roethlisberger's, uh, probably set Juju down and, and Dante Moncrief and say, hey, we want to make sure that, that the wide receiver room is, is how it needs to be. Um, really lean on the position coaches to kind of set that, set that standard. But I also think that in a lot of cases, when everybody in the locker room goes through that same exact situation and everybody doesn't want to go through that again, that's a huge motivator regardless of whether or not you have somebody mm-hmm. being like, we're not going to do this again, trying to stand in front of the whole team and, and getting them motivated. I mean, this is the NFL. Like they, the, the people have to be, they have to be pretty self-motivated. There's, there's money on the line, there's jobs on the line. And so uh, Tomlin is probably not going to make drastic changes uh, within, within the locker room of how he's, how he's managed the team from year over year. But I think that there are, there's definitely some addition by subtraction of not having some of those personalities in the locker room that made some of those issues uh, or kind of exacerbated some of the problems that they were dealing with. Uh, but they still have. I mean, they still have a lot of really nice, humble guys. They have James Conner, T.J. Watt, uh, Bud Dupree, uh, a lot of these kind of bigger-name guys, Joe Hayden, that, that, can, that can really step in and say, this is our culture, this is how we're setting it, and anybody that comes into our locker room, this is what it's going to be moving forward. And I think a team that is, it has a singular focus, that has all the players that are, that are at the, the top positions really focused in on what that goal is and driving that goal forward, you're, it, it's, it's going to allow Tomlin to do everything he needs to do without having to focus on all those, those single-player personnel issues that he was having to deal with last year. So a lot of it is really going to fall on players in the organization to just kind of make maintain the culture that they want and then allow them to to have to get back to the way that they're they're used to playing and used to being. And uh, we're going to get into the Eagles here. I don't know if you have any final thoughts on the Steelers and, and Tomlin or anything that Kyle talked about. We're going to get into the Eagles, and then we're going to kind of go through the picks, uh, round one at least, uh, try to get through as many as we can. I know we, we only had t- – uh, the clock is not our friend sometimes, so we'll try to get through as much of it as we can. We certainly want to talk about uh, some of the top picks and some of the top storylines uh, coming out of the, the first two days of the draft. But, uh, you know, certainly you, got, you guys got your and, – and, and, and full disclosure, it's up on our social media. It's up on our YouTube. Uh, it's up on our Twitter. And I know you were at the presser yesterday with the Eagles, and you were kind enough to send us some audio. I just couldn't get it loaded. I don't know how I, I, come I couldn't get it converted. So that is my fault. I fall on the sword there. But uh, you guys get Andre Dillard, uh, um, offensive tackle out of Washington State. I think he's a, it's a good pick. I mean, he's a good pass protector. Uh, he didn't have to put his hand on the ground. Eventually, uh, he'll have to, I guess. And, uh, but can he? Uh, is he a, is an A-plus guy? Do I give him an A? The Eagles an A? No, but I certainly give him a B or a B-minus, a B-plus. They're certainly in the B range, which is a passing grade for sure. So uh, go ahead. Uh, Ed, any final thoughts on the Steelers or – Go right on into the Philadelphia Eagles and bring us up to speed over two days uh, there at the Nova Center. <laughs> yeah, the Nova Care Complex. Yeah, um, I'm well, sorry, Nova Care. My, my fault. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah, yeah well, Kyle, with Kyle here on the line, I mean, I, I think it's a big year for Mike Tomlin. Um, you know, I know the Steelers have that stability in the head coaching ranks, but 
Um, frankly, you know, the Steelers were a bit of a league-wide embarrassment last year with the kind of shenanigans that went on. And having missed the playoffs for the first time, I think, in six years or five years, uh, it's a big year for him. Uh, it's a big year for Roethlisberger. You know, there were a lot of fingers pointed at him as, you know, one of the reasons that Brown and Bell weren't happy, the kind of leader that Roethlisberger is or isn't. So, you know, to me, it's a big year. If the, if the Steelers don't make it back to the playoffs or, you know, if more of this uh, – you know, this type of culture is allowed to fester and, and, and go off the tracks. I, I think Tomlin could be gone. So it's a big year uh, in Pittsburgh for, for not only him, but for Ben Roethlisberger, too, to see, uh, you know, if they can't put this thing back on the right track. Um, as far as the Eagles go, you know, with Andre Dillard, I think a lot of that hand-in-the-ground stuff is overrated. If you watch a lot of the Eagles tape or see any of their games, Jason Peters, the left tackle Hall of Famer, he rarely puts his hand in the ground. He always starts in a two-point stance. Um, so, you know, I don't know if Dillard will ever have to put his hand in the ground. If he does, he'll want to do it because he feels comfortable doing it. Um, I like the pick. I think this draft for the Eagles has been all about Carson Wentz. They got, a, uh, you know, his bodyguard for presumably the next 10 years if they think Dillard is their man because Peters, uh, he will retire. There's even talk that maybe Peters slides inside and plays guard and Dillard's a day one starter at left tackle. I'd be surprised if Peters is willing to do that. Um, but that could be a possibility. And then in the second round, they go for two skill guys, Miles Sanders out of Penn State, who the Eagles absolutely love, and um, the receiver from Stanford, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And both of those guys will come out and meet us today. Uh, Miles is coming out at uh, 1130 uh, for his press conference. I mean, they get him into town quick. And then Arcega-Whiteside's coming in at 230. Uh, so there will be more video for you, Tom. I can, I can send it along, and you can – practice trying to convert it into whatever file you need to. to yeah, uh, I will do that over over yeah. the weekend. I thought it was just going to be a real, yeah. real simple thing. I, I'd get up this morning and convert the file and be ready to go. I don't know. I, I yeah. had to play with it, well, and I didn't have time to play with it. I'll be, uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Kyle, uh, I know he had to jump off. Uh, he's got some uh, things going on today as well, and uh, I know he – Stayed up late watching that stupid movie, The End Game. I have, I, I, I get, I shouldn't call it stupid. I mean, everybody in the world loves Marvel movies. It, it, this comes from the guy that that is a big Game of Thrones fan, and, and it's amazing that nobody's. When I talk to somebody that's never seen the Game of Thrones, so okay, The End Game, The Avengers. Are you a Marvel fan? Yeah, you know, we talked fan? about this I think last week. You know about Breaking Bad and the Game of Thrones, and they're two yeah, series I've yeah. never seen, and yet I, I have seen the Avengers movies and i know thursday night was i think the, the debut and my wife and two daughters went to it and i was of course <laughs> uh, you know in, in philadelphia for the draft but you know look i could take it or leave it i mean i'm not you know i'm not clamoring <laughs> you know they, they went they went wearing their avengers t-shirts you know they went out and bought them that day my daughters and my wife and uh you know to them it's a big deal and my what my daughter packed kleenexes because i guess it was sad at the end i don't know but you know to me i'm just i don't get wrapped up in that kind of thing i mean you know my yeah. whole world for, my whole life has been sports, and that's the thing I get wrapped up in. Uh, hey. It just doesn't jive with my wife and daughters or my mother. Nobody's a sports fan uh, in my family. My father was, but uh, you know that's what I get wrapped up in. But I'll, I'll go see the Avengers. Sure, I mean it's a three-hour movie. That's another thing. I don't know if I can. Oh wow! I, really I had no idea it was that long. <laughs> yeah, I can. Wow. You know, I don't know if I can sit through three hours of a movie, but uh, I'm sure I'll see it once the fervor dies down a little bit. Uh, you know, because my wife and my daughters will probably want to see it again, and they'll drag me along to it, and that's fine. <laughs> but we'll set through three hours of football any day, any time, and we got a weekend. You're right. That's right. 
We got some weekend bins going on, and that's the NFL draft. So let's kind of start from day one. I know we're into day two, and and I'm not trying to minimize round two and round three, but it's just not as exciting as round one. It's kind of like round one, we open up all the cool presents. Round two and three, it's just just underwear, t-shirts, and socks. So, I mean, <laughs> but but you well, need all round, of those. You four? need underwear. You need t-shirts yes, and socks. So those are very important components uh, to life. So, <laughs> what, what's, what's, what's round, a little round bit four of... and seven? What kind of what kind of gifts are rounds four through seven? I mean, if you're talking underwear and socks, rounds two and three. What what are we looking at? You know, shoelaces. Uh, you know, the you stuff know, you get know, in what the stuff. Yeah. The, the things you get in in, in the stockings. Everybody right. thinks, oh, this is the cool stocking so- stuff. Oh, well, look, it's the Star Wars version of lightsabers, yeah. yeah. or it's <laughs> it's a pet dispenser. Right. Yeah, Avenger gum. Yeah, Avenger gum. That's right. So, uh, yeah. well, I mean, let's, let's, it's just guys we've never heard of. That's the thing. Is we, a lot of these, yeah. unless you're a real draft nick or you know college beat nick or whatever you want to call. It. I mean, you, you, a lot of these guys you never heard of, and but you're right, right. they're necessary. There's a lot of more misses later uh, in the draft, so you're getting guys that you hope will be able to add depth and be developed into serviceable NFL players going forward. I tell you what, and I, I made this analogy earlier, so I'll try to be more politically correct. I said, you know, we like to jab at Roger Cadell in the NFL. It's like picking on the fat kids at school. It's an easy target. I should have chosen a better choice of words. But nonetheless, the NFL is an easy target to go after. But I have to admit, I like this taking the draft on the road. We saw them in Philadelphia last year, uh, Chicago, now Nashville. This turnout in Nashville is amazing of what's going on down there. And and you would think that the, the crowd would fall off a little bit in day two, it didn't seem to, to happen. We'll see what happens with day three. But if you could give a passing grade to something that the NFL has done for the fans, that is to take uh, the draft out of Radio City Music Hall, out of their cave, and and, and stop blowing their nose here. As well, if you're not somebody, you're not coming in here, uh, and uh, you're not going to get close to us. Now the fans are so close, it's almost like a concert setting. And the way they they did the intro, I don't know if you watched the beginning of the draft. I'm sure you did. And your stars are. Da, 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 da. So they, they've oh, done yeah. so much over the last couple, three years in the draft. And really, a city getting the draft may not be equal to getting a Super Bowl, but it certainly is it has that economic and fan outpouring impact. And how awesome was that for them to – to select the Giants fan, but it was a contest that they had uh, to get uh, season uh, tickets for the next 100 years. So I think in lieu of us going after the NFL so negatively so many times over so many different things, uh, plays and replays and refs and all of this, and Roger Cadell and Roger Cadell, we, we could we could go on him all day long. But I think this – taking it out of Radio City Music Hall and taking it on the road to the NFL cities, to the fans, is a huge uh, plus. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, You know, it does give other cities a chance to experience the excitement. You wonder what took so long. I mean, they they had it in New York forever and ever, and then they had it in Chicago, I think, for two years. And uh, then they gave it to Philadelphia, and then last year Dallas, and this year Nashville. I'm not sure where it is next year. Um, but it'll be somewhere else other than Nashville. 
you know, we had uh, a colleague of mine, uh, Les Bowen, who I think you're familiar with, super guy, great yeah, writer. He writes for the Philadelphia yeah. Daily News. And uh, right. he was there, and I asked him how it compared to the one in Philadelphia. And, you know, he said that it was very very crowded and congested, almost kind of like a, um, a Times Square in New York City feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody was kind of clustered into one area, not a lot of room to – to stretch out like Philadelphia, which was on a parkway, which was, you know, geographically perfect, you know, very wide space. And he said another difference was there seemed to be more fans uh, of teams from around the league. Like it was more of a maybe an easier city to get to. I'm not sure why, but there were more fans from other teams in attendance, whereas in Philadelphia a few years it seemed to be more uh, Eagles fans with kind of just a small mix of, of teams or fans from other teams. So uh, I thought that was interesting. But I think it's a great idea the NFL had and, um, you know, I, I think it's great for fans to experience it. I mean, the first round is just, you know, that's kind of a, become a primetime uh, reality TV uh, episode. So I, I just love it. You know, you mentioned a season ticket fan from the Giants. Saw a lot of funny comments on social media after they took Daniel Jones at number six that, you know, uh, that, that the fan's going to uh, – he wants to give his tickets back. He doesn't want him anymore. Or, uh, you know, they see Eli Manning playing quarterback for 98 of those hundred years. <laughs> so, you know, it's it was kind of funny, you know, fans are having fun with it on social media. Well, as, as a Manning fan, the other Manning fan, and as a Colts fan, I could relate. We, there was a time yeah. when we thought that, that Peyton Manning would be a Colt for 900 million years. Well, Turns out that he is. He's out in front of our stadium in a form of a statue. But <laughs> not everybody gets a statue, man. Not everybody gets a statue. Here's the other thing, though. That maybe we could we could say you could do better the NFL. We we have all this hype, all these pre uh, activities, but it's time to do the draft. And I think everybody in the world. I could be wrong here, but I think everybody in the world knew that the Arizona Cardinals were going to go with Kyler Murray. Do I think it was the best decision? No. We still don't know what's going to happen with Josh Rosen. I honestly would have probably given him a, a C- minus or a D uh, for the pick of Kyler Murray. Not that Kyler Murray is not a good pick. I mean, there's only been one other guy that's similar in size, and we know that he has the biggest contract in NFL history right now. I, I, it, we, we know that he, he, he could have gone to the MLB, but he, he feels like he made the best decision for himself, and you got to wonder, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, <laughs> he likens himself to the great Gatsby of wearing the pink suit. And I didn't catch on to that at first when I saw them interviewing. I'm like, uh-oh, he's tipping his hand because I'm seeing the red tie. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing the red like Arizona the Cardinals. He already knows, and we all already knew. But then he got into the story about the great Gatsby, and I'm thinking, that's that's great, Kyle uh, Murray, but uh, just like Scarface and the great Gatsby, great Great movies, great show to watch, but the ending is kind of tragic. <laughs> Do you really want to compare yourself to those kind of endings? I don't know. But Kyle Murray is either going to be a rock star or he's going to be a dud, a stud or a dud. It's going to be one or the other. It's in the middle. What are your thoughts about the Arizona Cardinals and Kyle, uh, Kyle Kyler Murray, uh, obviously quarterback out of Oklahoma? Yeah, well, that you know that was the whole storyline for this draft. You know, there were a couple of them, and that was the top storyline was. Kyler Murray, and then, you know, off of that is what becomes a Josh Rosen, and then we saw last night what became a Josh Rosen. He got traded to the Miami Dolphins, and, you know, right. there was all that drama. It was almost like Josh Rosen was Joe Montana, the way they just kept talking about him endlessly on the NFL Network, but I get it. I mean, you know, it was a storyline, and um, 
you know, they, they really played it up to the hill. So, uh, you know, the Cardinals better be right. I mean, you know, this is an organization that spent their last two first-round picks on a quarterback, uh, and, you know, that really sets a franchise back. I mean, there's so many holes in Arizona that you wonder if a quarterback can, uh, you know, overcome all of those. Generally, they can't, but you hope that he can have a decent, uh, you know, decent, you know, first year, and they keep him healthy, and they protect him up front. He has some weapons to throw to. Uh, I'm not sure he has all that. I know they have the running back, uh, David Johnson, but I think he had a down year last year for whatever reason. So um, we'll see. We'll see how it all works out. But um, clearly I get why they took him number one. Cliff Kingsbury has a history with him going back to their sophomore, his sophomore year in high school, Murray. So, uh, you know, I get it. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, if you're a franchise, I might have traded down a couple spots, built the defense, and, and tried to develop Rosen. I mean, that – uh, but there's no leadership there. I know they switched, you know, uh, coaches. But, uh, you know, Arizona to me is just kind of floundering away there in the desert. We'll see if Murray can get them back on track. But I think it's going to take a little time. You make a valid point about Kingsbury. I think it's kind of like that's – it was more of a pick for Kingsbury than a pick for Arizona. So we'll see. I mean, I, yeah. I, I think he's a very talented quarterback. And I think that certainly he has – uh, some um, potential, and so I don't want to downgrade that, but it's kind of like, you know, let's let's see what happens. So the 49ers make some chicken and bacon. Uh, of course, with, with the Raiders, Nick Bosa, another big storyline. Uh, Nick Bosa going, I think he's actually from the Bay Area, uh, but obviously from Ohio State. Uh, you got to love this pick for the Niners and uh, getting the best uh, pass rusher in the class. Uh, kudos to them. Oh, yeah, the Niners haven't had, I mean, they've drafted defensive linemen in four of the last five drafts. I mean, it's almost like when Matt Millen ran the Detroit Lions. I mean, they drafted wide receivers all the time, and they, they didn't have any uh, great effect. So, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, now all of a sudden Solomon Thomas can't play, and they want to trade him. So, you know, again, this to me is another organization that just can't get it right. If you're going to continue to draft one position year after year after year, what does that say about your evaluation of the players? And, you know, to me, Bosa, yeah, everybody loves Bosa. He's got the name. But, you know, the guy hasn't played in a year. I mean, uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm not really sold on this pick. I, I really am not. I mean, he may end up being a great player. But to me, the 49ers are just another organization that, that just doesn't seem to get it right uh, year after year. Another D lineman to me. I know they were going to do it, but it just makes no sense to me. It doesn't speak highly of what you've been able to evaluate over the last five years if you keep picking the same position over and over and over again. We uh, talked about this number three pick for a while, and the Jets have it, and they picked Clinton Williams out of Alabama. I, I'm okay with it. I mean, if you're a Jets fan, you got you just got to you just got to like kind of as uh, as you guys have learned to say there in Philadelphia, it's just to, to trust the process and. Certainly, uh, you can make a case for Josh Allen, I guess, but uh, the Jets needed more of a pure pass rusher. Uh, but uh, this kid will be dominant. I, I like Clinton Williams out of Alabama, and let's face it, Alabama is just the uh, developmental league for the NFL. Yeah, you know, I think he could be the best player in the draft, Clinton Williams. I mean, I, and I love what the Jets did. I know they – I can't even remember who they took in the second and I, I, the third round I haven't even looked at because after the Eagles made their two picks, I was, you know, kind of busy writing and going into press conferences and conference calls with the picks. So I, I didn't even look at the third round, but I remember seeing some of the Jets picks in the second round and thinking, man, they're having a pretty good draft. Uh, and in the AFC East in general, 
uh, in that first round, you know, when you look at the Jets getting Williams and the, and the Buffalo Bills getting uh, Ed Oliver and the Miami Dolphins getting Christian Wilkins and then the Patriots getting Nikhil Harry, the wide receiver. I mean, that's a pretty solid first round for all four of those teams in the AFC East. And that just happens to be the division that the Eagles are going to play this year, um, you know, as part of their schedule. So uh, the Eagles are going to see all these guys. But I thought it was a great pick for the Jets. I think they're having a good draft. Again, you'd have to refresh my memory who they took in the second round. But I remember when I saw it, I'm like, boy, that, that's a good pick. Um, but I don't remember who it was. Um, I, I don't but, have it up uh, right now. I, I, I tell you. But, yeah, I, I, I think you're having a good draft. I think AFC East is having a good draft in general. At least they did in the first round. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. One of the biggest storylines going into this year's draft, going all the way to last year, was the Raiders, and they're tanking, and this, and then are they okay with Derek Carr, and just all kinds of storylines around, uh, around Gruden, and, and them going to Vegas, and getting ready for Vegas, and they, they have the number three, uh, number two pick, and they trade it back to get the number four pick to what? I mean, you and I talked about this offline, if it, you get Clinton Farrell, I believe is his name. You're getting an A player. If you get Clinton Farrell, you're getting an F player. Too much inconsistency from him. They needed to look at somebody else, maybe a Josh Allen or even an Ed Oliver. This guy, they're they're lucky they're even getting a D with me on this on this pick. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, it was you know it surprised everybody, and there was talk all you know in the couple of days leading up, the Raiders were going to make a surprise pick at number four, and I you know, I think that qualifies. But I think Cleveland Farrell's a good player. You know, you may have been able to get him later in the draft, but Marshawn Lynch saying that he's not coming back uh, all of a sudden made running back a priority. So they kind of felt like they're going to have to take Josh Jacobs with that second uh, pick they had in the first round. So uh, they needed to get a pass rusher. You know, they were really. Uh, Grilled for letting um, uh, that linebacker go to Chicago, uh, Khalil Mack. So, uh, you know, they needed to get a, a pass rusher. I probably would have gone Josh Allen. He, again, he's another one of my favorites in this class. I, I, I've seen Kentucky play a bunch. and uh, You know, I really like the way he plays. He brings a lot of versatility. He can uh, drop off and pass coverage and cover. Uh, but, you know, Farrell also gives versatility. You can play him inside on the defensive line. He's big enough to play at a tackle spot, line up there. And on the outside, so he does bring versatility. Uh, he's a good player. I just think maybe they they probably could have done a little bit better. <laughs> Excuse me, in that spot. We're talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. You can find his work on Football Maven uh, <laughs> slash Eagles. Sorry, I don't have it memorized. Dot Eagles. Dot <laughs> IO. Dot IO always gets me. Uh, I and know, uh, me you too. find it, his work there. We're at the number five pick with the Bucks, Devin White, uh, linebacker LSU. I think he's a, a good player. I think he's going to add uh, add to that defense. He's a three down player and can run, but he he's an off the ball linebacker position value, uh, which is change, the value in that position. I guess is changing a little bit. Is what I'm trying to say. I would I would have taken Josh Allen here if he was available. Again, going back to him and went back to Ed Oliver again. I, I still would have looked at those if those were a, a, a available above him. But still, Devin White's a good, solid pick, so I'll give him a B for this pick. Yeah, it was a predictable pick. I mean, everybody knew that Bucks. Every mock draft I looked at leading up to this thing, they had Devin White going to the Bucks, and they didn't deviate from it, and they needed a linebacker, and they went and got him. I, I like the pick. I like the player. I think it'll be a, a good fit in Tampa. So we talked about this guy in passing earlier, and 
you know, nothing against him, but if you're Dwayne Haskins, you're scratching your head. You're like, what? I got passed to Daniel Jones? What? He's going to be the heir apparent to Eli Manning? Are, are you kidding me? And, you know, my official grade to the Giants on, the, on, these, on this is a, is a D. Uh, I wanted to give him an F, but I'm just a nice guy. Come on. The Giants <laughs> could have done a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, look, I agree with you. I don't know what they saw in Daniel Jones. That he, you know, he's okay. Uh, you know, he's an okay quarterback, but I don't think he's a first-round guy. And, we, and you know, we've talked about this. I didn't really like any quarterback in this class. I mean, Kyler Murray, yeah, maybe. Dwayne Haskins, maybe. Um, Daniel Jones, definitely not. I, you know, maybe he'll be a good player, uh, but it was really a reach. I mean, the Giants have so many needs. You know, they need an offensive line. Uh, and then you're bringing in your number six overall pick, and you're not going to play him. I mean, you're going to sit him behind Eli Manning. I mean, you, you want to hit a home run with that first pick. You want someone that's going to come in, and you're going to plug in and play right away. And if you're coming in and be a starter from day one, and Daniel Jones may not be a starter in, until year three. So, you know, to me it was a very, very uh, curious pick. And we'll see a lot of him in the preseason, I'm sure, and then we'll kind of get a feel for how he's adjusting to the NFL game. But it was a reach, no question. And, listen, I'm a nice guy too, but I still give him an F for that pick. Jacksonville Jaguars, AFC South. Oh, don't really like to see them do well, but hey, here, here's the thing. They're they're like going to a party with a bunch of vegans, and and hey, let's eat healthy here. Let's eat this. Let's eat this little uh, piece of celery. Let's eat this. Let's eat that. Let's be healthy. And and uh, the Jaguars are like, oh, look, meat, wings, beef, chicken. Oh, look at all this stuff, guys. Look, beer, all this good stuff. All right, if you guys, I want it. I'll take it. I'm gonna take Josh Allen. Cannot get he just was just like laying there like like okay nobody else wants him I'm gonna take him no questions Josh Allen goes to the Jaguars you gotta give them an A and you gotta scratch your head why did he fall down to uh, number seven with the Jaguars and the Jaguars are like um okay <laughs> you don't want him we do yeah. <laughs> yeah the Jags the Jags got you know the guy. I think the guy that brought the card up to the stage, I think he popped the hamstring uh, getting it up there because he really ran that pick up. If you look at it, uh, there was very little time after the Giants took Jones before the Jaguars, uh, the pick was in. You know, a lot of these teams were using, you know, most of their 15 minutes. And, you know, not the Jags. When they saw Josh Allen, man, they they jumped on it. You can't blame them. They got a good <laughs> pick there. And you can thank, you can thank the Giants for picking uh, Jones. And you can probably thank the Raiders for taking Farrell, too. Well, as a Colts fan, I am not worried because I I got all kinds of trust in Ballard, uh, in Reich, and in Ursay. Uh, come on, we got. I know we're deviating from our order a little bit here, but we do want to brag a little bit on Chris Ballard last year, able to get Quentin Nelson. Uh, come on, probably going to be wearing a gold jacket at some point in his life. This year, we get the Rocky that you and I talked about, and then uh, they get the right hand of God to T.Y. Hilton, if you will, and, and that's they go to Paris. Uh, let's real quickly deviate because I know you're very familiar with Chris Ballard, uh, and if I'm, not for, if I'm getting my hierarchy right, I'm, I'm thinking that the leadership with the Eagles and the leadership with the Colts and Ballard, there, there's a connection there, but I'm almost positive there is. But Chris Ballard is a um, – a smart guy. <laughs> Put it this way. He may have all kinds of money to spend, but that doesn't mean that you have to spend it. But great job on the Indianapolis Colts. I know I'm going home a card on you, but, I mean, I look at the last 
over a period of time, they're in a very good position to win the AFC South. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, they almost won it last year. Um, they really got hot at the right time, and there's a lot of momentum in the off season. You know, when you have the kind of uh, finish that the Colts did last year over your last half or more of your season, that really builds enthusiasm for guys in the off season, getting into the workout room, wanting to kind of finish uh, what you started and to finish what they started would be to kind of uh, make a little run through the playoffs and, and hope you get to the Super Bowl. Um, so, you know, I think they, you know, I always say that you take the best player available and, you know, maybe Rocky Sin was that uh, at number, what did they take him? 33 or four. Uh, you know, they traded out of the first round, which I don't mind again at all. If you feel like there's value later in the draft, then go ahead and trade out and get more picks. And they did that. It's kind of what the Eagles did. So you, you do see some of the similarities with, you know, Chris Boward having uh, worked, in, you know, with the Eagles um, in the past and, and some of the things that the Eagles do. And, uh, you know, I like the draft. I like the fact that they got a cornerback that they valued pretty high. I love the fact that he's a two-time state wrestling champion. You know me, I'm a, a yeah, you coach, that. big mm-hmm. fan of the sport. I mean, utmost respect for a kid that can go out. Uh, and win two state championships. I think he did that in Georgia um, and before coming to Temple. And then you get the receiver who, you know, I know you think he could be the next um, Devin Hester, uh, you know, with the punts and and all that stuff. And I know he was there for the Eagles. I'm surprised the Eagles uh, didn't get him. I know they liked him, uh, but they ended up getting that Stanford kid who has kind of got a lot of bass. He's a great backstory. He's got some basketball in his background. Both his parents played professionally overseas. He had two uncles on the – uh, Spanish uh, national team that played in the 1984 Olympics. Uh, and, and he's a lot like Alshon Jeffrey. You can go up, high point the ball. He loves contact, doesn't shy away from it in his routes. Uh, he's a very good receiver. But, you know, so is Paris Campbell. I like the pick. I like what the Colts did. So uh, Rick was not able to join us today, but his Lions, uh, number eight, the T.J. Hoskins, he wasn't a big fan of that pick out of tight end out of Iowa. He's a good player, but come on, can we stop with the comparisons already with Gronk? I mean, we just can't get past Gronk. I mean, it's like a Democratic collusion. No, I'm sorry. I went there. I know. I went there. He's a good blocker, but nowhere – and I know he – that that I should not say that the Patriot players are good because – that doesn't mean that I'm a Patriots fan, but I'm just, you know, when you make these comparisons, he, he's he's more of a uh, George Kittle. A, can, can he ru- be a rush passer because the Lions can't uh, rush the passer? Maybe? I don't know, but come on, he's no Gronk. I mean, that's all social media. It's like, hey, the Lions picked up the next Gronkowski. No, they didn't. <laughs> no, they didn't. I give him a B, though. Yeah, you know, he's – the best tight end in the draft, I guess, right? I mean, he went in a break, but I, I don't know. I know tight ends are important. I think, you know, I would never take a tight end in the top ten, though. I don't care how valuable. I mean, yeah, again, to me, and I'm of the philosophy that's similar to the Eagles. You know, you build on both lines. You know, you get your offensive line, your defensive line, and you build out. And, you know, to me, the Patriots or the Lions could have gone uh, a variety of different ways on either side of the line. And Matt Patricia, the coach, being a defensive guy, um, I thought for sure they would go. Uh, defense. Um, nobody, I didn't expect them to get a tight end, but you know, look, I mean, if he gives Matt Stafford some comfort back there, uh, then, then so be it. And let's see how they use him. But to compare him to Gronkowski before he's even put on a, uh, an NFL uniform, I'm not a big comparison guy. Like I know they've done it with Kyler Murray when Russell Wilson, um, I know, you know, size wise that works, but you know, in terms of skill set, let, let's just wait and see uh, how they adjust to the NFL before we start anointing them the next anything. 
Absolutely. And I didn't know there was a, another quarter. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, tight end out of Iowa ever. The one, the only one that ever matters uh, was yeah. number 44 with the Colts. And that was uh, uh, Dallas Clark. I had his Jersey for years. And uh, now, now there's a tight end for you out of Iowa. <laughs> and, and, yeah. if and Iowa can't get this right. Yeah. Right. And Iowa had two tight ends taken, you know, they had the, 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 the this kid Hawkinson and then the Noah fan at number 20 to the Broncos. So, Iowa yeah. just—I guess they're the tight end capital of the world now. <laughs> I guess so. We're bending over, getting corn. I guess no, never mind. Yeah, we'll go I, there. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> well, I tell you what. I like uh, you, you, yeah, I do too. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt <laughs> Patricia better get his act together. He's going to take that pencil out of his ear to sign an application for a job or something. I don't know, but it's going to be <laughs> used for something. Why, who uses pencils anymore, especially in, in in a game? What's he using that pencil for? That's what I want to know. That's the question I want to know. Who the heck uses a pencil in the NFL during a game? I don't. I don't know. I just don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I guess it's you know it's like chewing on a toothpick. You know, uh, it's probably safer. You know, you can always swallow the toothpick, but uh, hey, I guess it's safer than the toothpick. Hey Matt, here's here's a uh, uh, a tablet. You don't need a pencil. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Oh, yeah, right. uh, I, uh, real quickly, and then we, I'm looking at the time here. We only get here for just a few more minutes here. Uh, the Buffalo Bills pulled a Jacksonville Jaguars. You don't want him? We'll take him. Ed Oliver uh, goes to the Buffalo Bills. I think it's a good pickup for the Bills. I, I, I do. I mean, it's an A pickup if I'm going to give him a grade. Uh, he was misused at Houston. I think this kid uh, is going to be special at the next level. Again, going back to the com- comparison, he's no Aaron Donald, but he's with the Buffalo Bills, and you just got to wonder. The Buffalo Bills always find a way to screw stuff up, so <laughs> hopefully they don't waste this guy. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I like Ed Oliver a lot. Um, you know, he he may have been a top-five pick, but he had that little run-in, that incident with his uh, coach uh, at Houston, so, you know, maybe there were some red flags there, but I, I really like Ed Oliver. I know he's a little undersized, but well, he's quickness. I, there's a film they showed to him after he was picked. The things he's able to do with his hands and speed. I mean, he just looks like he's going to be a, a tough hombre to block. And uh, I, I really like the pick. I mean, again, it's a defensive lineman. I love defensive linemen. You can't have enough of them. You play them in a rotation. Uh, you know, keep them fresh. And uh, you know, I think he's a really, really good piece for the Bills. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Footballmaven.io. Uh, appreciate you joining us. We do have his audio up on social media, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook. So it is up there. We just could air it in the show. Uh, Ed, real quickly, give before we let you go, uh, give us just a kind of a recap over the last two days. And I know we're going in today to opening up socks and underwear and batteries and all of that stuff. Uh, people we've never heard of, but they're important components to what we have to have to have a very successful team. So the NFL draft, you can use it from an Eagles perspective if you want. Uh, day one and two and going into day three, uh, give us your your thoughts, sir. <laughs> Blow our minds. Well, uh, you know, uh, well, listen, I, I'm going to just talk about Dwayne Haskins for a minute because I find this, this little uh, fact fascinating. And it comes courtesy of an article uh, from a friend of mine, another colleague. He writes for the Harrisburg uh, Patriot here in Pennsylvania, David Jones. Uh, he covers Penn State. And uh, he pointed out that uh, the Big Ten, and maybe you know this, Tom, but the Big Ten, Dwayne Haskins was the first 
Big Ten quarterback taken in the first round in 24 yep. years. Yep. You know this. We were talking about that earlier you know with, who, with Adam, but go ahead. Okay. Well, well, I won't blow anybody's mind then if, I, you know, you already talked about it. Yeah, but Perry Collins was picked. And then mm-hmm. since then, there have been 34 or five Big Ten quarterbacks taken, none in the first round. And that includes Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, and Drew Brees. Now, Drew Brees would have been a first-round pick. He was taken 32nd overall. Uh, but there were only 30 teams in the NFL at that time. So, uh, technically, he was a second-round pick. So, uh, and to me, that's just amazing and just kind of speaks to, you know, the Big Ten not being a quarterback type of a school. And we'll see how Haskins does. But, again, I'm not real sold on him. He's a pocket guy. He's a statue back there. He's got a strong arm. But, you know, in this league, the way pass rushers are, you better be able to protect him because those pass rushers are going to make life miserable for him in the NFL. I know – you know, some had a hard time doing it in college, but you know, if you can't move even a little bit, then then you're going to get run over, and you're going to get happy feet, uh, and that could really lead to the end of a career quicker uh, than you would like, obviously. So we'll see. I'm just not sold on Haskins, um, but I can say that about every quarterback in this draft, to be honest. So there it is, my <laughs> final word of wisdom. There it is, Ed Kratz. I know you're you're headed in there to the Nova Cares. What's the name of it? Nova Complex. Nova, Nova Care Nova Complex. Complex. Nova, Nova Care, Care Complex. Complex. Right. <laughs> yeah, I got right you. Uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick, we're, whatever, we're, you, whatever you ever call Kaepernick. Uh, <laughs> where, where can people find your work and your masterpiece of syrup? We'll make sure that we get all your stuff up on our social media as soon as we can. That's uh, nice. That's nice. Yeah, I, well, my on Twitter. You can just follow me on Twitter. I know you threw the website out there, but I put all my stuff out on Twitter. K-R-A, excuse me, K-R-A-C-Z-E uh, is the Twitter handle. And, uh, yeah, if you just follow there, you can uh, check out my links and videos and all that fun stuff. Do you have any kitten videos? I always like to watch kitten videos. Do you? See, I'm not a big cat guy. I, and I'm more yeah, of a dog, I like cats dog, and dogs, you know. Yeah, you know, I'm a dog. drug guys getting knocked yeah, out in the parking like lot, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the yeah. wormholes that YouTube takes us down. Punch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you got Philadelphia fans punching horses, you know, in the Super Bowl parade. Yeah, so, you know, I remember uh, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All yeah, right, buddy. You have yourself a good All draft right, weekend. Tom. We'll talk with you soon. All righty. Yes, sir, Ed Kratz, always love having him on. Beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor, uh, jumps on and helps us break down the draft. We got the first 10, Don. Hey, you know, we, we had a lot to talk about. We've got a few minutes left here in the show, 917-889-8516. You want to call and talk about your draft picks, you're more than welcome. My name is Tom Marcus, El Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, 
new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. More minutes left on the clock before we have to wrap it up and put a bow on it. Thank you to Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, helping us break down the power rankings, if you will, of IndyCar. Uh, certainly talking about uh, getting ready for the Indianapolis Grand Prix coming up here in a couple weeks. Uh, Indianapolis is here. May is here almost. And it does not get any better than May in Indianapolis. I know that because I live here. It's my home. It's my home track. If you're not an IndyCar fan, well, what the hell's wrong with you? And then, of course, this has been one of the greatest weekends in, in NFL, if you will, and that's the uh, NFL draft. Um, 
So we've had two days. We're going into day three today. Uh, certainly we talked with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, football maven, uh, uh, dot I-O, and uh, Adam Jividen, super Bra- uh, Browns fan, Kyle Courtney, super Steelers fan, myself, super Colts fan. Uh, we've been breaking down the draft by the numbers, trying to analyze the storylines and try to overthink things. Granted, yes, uh, we only got to, to 10, and we, I got a couple more people we could talk about here in, in the final minutes of the show. But, hey, you know, we make jokes about uh, uh, the latter part of the draft uh, being uh, uh, <laughs> like the last presents to be open on Christmas Day and their socks and underwear. But they're very important because we all need socks. We all need underwear. Or do we? Right. Underwear is maybe not a necessity. Just want to chime in for just a few more minutes here Let's let's kind of jump back into this You know, we left off at number 10 Obviously, we had talked earlier on with uh, Kyle uh, Courtney, uh, super Steelers fan We had talked with him a little bit about that shake and bake of of Devin Bush And and what our thoughts were on that So let's talk a little bit about the We haven't talked much about the Bengals at all uh, really much in the offseason, not a lot to talk about, but the Bengals landed at number 11 there, and they picked up Jonah Williams, the offensive lineman for Alabama. Um, obviously, the national championship game against Clemson was completely overblown. He did some good uh, things uh, against Clemson Farrell, and uh, he's a plug-and-play kind of guy, but the best part of this pick is that it gets to be the spinning off the field and Bobby Hart, who would no longer be the right tackle in Cincinnati, he'll be a consistent starter there in the National Football League. We certainly got to give him a, pa- a passing grade and maybe a B or a B plus. Wouldn't give him an A, wouldn't give him a C. So hey, the passing grade and not bad for the Bengals uh, as, as they are still trying to find themselves, and we'll see what happens. Let's talk a little bit about the Packers. Packers got a new, new coach. A, a lot of rumors going around about Aaron Rodgers and and the the chemistry between the new coach and Aaron Rodgers, and they landed up at number 12 pick. Uh, you know, certainly I think Packer fans would have not have wanted to uh, draft this early. Very disappointing season for the for the Packers. But, hey, uh, they end up with, with Sean Gary, uh, Edge, Michigan. Uh, he's very athletic. He's a, he's a specimen, actually, if you want to know the truth. But that does not necessarily translate on the field. Where's the production? Uh, he could up, end up getting being a great pit or a bust, a dud or a stud, as we've talked about on the show and, and, and uh, with other players. And Kyler Murray, the number one pick overall, one of those is who we, we, we talked about. There's just no in-between with this guy. He's either uh, It's either feast or famine with him. We can go back and forth this. Uh, uh, his shoulder, that, that would concern me. Uh, I mean, he might have to have social surgery right away. I mean, I don't know. I'm struggling here to to get them above a C grade. And I granted that's still a passing a passing grade, but I just think he wasn't the best player available at the time at the number twelve pick. Maybe they could have did some negotiations. I, I don't know, but. Um, I, I, we're going to give him a C. That's 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 where we're that's where we'll land at uh, with with them. 
the Miami Dolphins get uh, Christian Watkins, as we also know that Josh Rosen ended up with it with the at the Dolphins, Dolphins from the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the Falcons end up with Chris Linkson, uh, guard out of Boston College. Um, just kind of go through these here as quickly as you can. We know about the Redskins. We talked about him, them, Dwayne Haskins, uh, my uh, son's team, the Panthers, uh, Brian Burns uh, out of Florida State. Not a bad pickup. Give them a B there. Giants um, in another pick that they had, and that's the 17 pick overall in the first round. Derek's, uh, Derek's Dexter, I'm sorry, Lawrence out of Clemson. Going to give them a B grade on that. I'm sorry, we're running out of time here. Just trying to get through as many as we possibly can. The Vikings, Garrett uh, Bradbury, uh, center out of North Carolina State. Give them a B. The Titans, uh, defensive tackle out of Mississippi State. Got to give them an A for that. Noah Fant, we talked about the other tight end earlier. We talked with him, uh, with with Ed earlier, and that's the uh, tight end out of Iowa. Guys, I wish we had more time because we've got a lot more picks to talk about. That's about it. Remember to follow us on um, social media at T Balance on Facebook, our YouTube channel. Uh, we're out there just about everywhere and anywhere. My name is Tom Arquisel, Presidente. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. We'll do this thing called The Balance next week. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.